This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Grant and Danny welcoming you back on The Fan, January 10th, 2023, day two of the offseason, after a season-ending victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Two years in a row not making the playoffs. Changes are going to be coming And the first has already happened. Scott Turner has been fired as offensive coordinator after three years here in D.C. We are reacting to that as we go with you until 6.30 today on Grant and Danny. I want to get into the fact that Washington didn't get enough out of their top players on offense. They didn't properly utilize their weapons. my biggest gripe. Some of their big assets that they spent early picks on and a lot of money on. And and that's probably why Scott Turner's out of a job right now. that and the inability to max out the quarterbacks that they've had come through this building. As limited as they were at the position, did those guys get better? Did they get a lot more out of them other than Heineke? I think those are fair questions. We'll get into that. Let's get to the BetQL guest hotline right now. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Visit BetQL.com. We're joined by, speaking of play callers in D.C., the former head coach of the Redskins and a longtime play caller and play designer here in Washington, Jay Gruden. Jay, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good, buddy. Doing well. What is your reaction to that news that Scott Turner's out? Well, being a coach myself, I never liked having to fire people or being fired. It's never a fun day. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you're not making the playoffs, you have a lot of turmoil, turmoil at quarterback. Changes need to be made, you know, whether he made the decisions to bring in Wentz or to uh, go with Heineke or go back to Wentz or what have you. Um, I guess it's something that's part of the game. I, I not a fan of it personally. I don't think Scott Turner had a lot to do with uh, the offensive struggles. I think it was more personnel related, especially at key positions. Uh, but that's just me. Go into that, coach, a, a little bit. Like, how much uh, scheme wise were you going? I would do that differently, or I didn't love that. Versus, I don't know what you're supposed to do with this with this some of these personnel decisions. Maybe specifically quarterback or O line or, or otherwise. Break that down for us. Well, the interior offensive line wasn't very good, so you couldn't go back and drop back and pass and get it to your playmakers like you wanted to down the field, and then your quarterbacks weren't accurate enough or their arm strength wasn't good enough to get it down the field anyway, you know? So, uh, so the most important thing was to try to run the ball, which he did when they had the winning streak, they ran the ball effectively and they did a good job in that regard. But when the run dried up, it was very difficult for them to throw the ball because of the quarterback play and the line play. You mentioned offensive issues. I want to go deeper into those. How do you mask those as a play caller? Clearly Rivera does not think Scott did a good enough job of that. You know, when you know you're weak at positions, how do you go about using duct tape to get past that? Well, it's hard. You know, I was a much better play caller when I had Kirk Cousins and Jordan Reed and Pierre and Deshaun. Uh, I wasn't a very good play caller when I had 
Josh Johnson and, and, and the rest of the guys. So uh, it's very difficult. You got to do the best you can and try to uh, be creative, but you have to be simple because you have a lot of quarterback turnover. You're playing a rookie quarterback. You're playing a guy off the streets. You're playing a guy for the first time in your system. Uh, so it's a fine line be- be- between being creative and being simple and doing what you can do. That's a very difficult job calling plays in the NFL, being successful, especially when you have problems at the most key position in all of sports. So here's one of my gripes, right? And I am on team. The quarterbacks here have been bad. And so it's almost like nothing else matters offensively, but I don't think Turner got nearly enough out of a lot of the guys that they spent pick or money on, you know, Curtis Samuel was just a, it could have been me. He, he got two carries for minus six yards this past week, right? I mean, he's just not involved at all. They, he's the ninth highest paid wide receiver in the league. Jahan Dotson went a few weeks where he was targeted a handful of times and had a couple catches. He was the 16th pick in the draft. McLaurin has gotten a little better every year statistically, but I don't feel like they're maxing out on him. Or you know, To me, coaching is about getting the best out of every player. I think there's a real, real there's a question to be asked as to whether or not Scott Turner was able to do that. Yeah, I mean, the ball has to be uh, snapped to the quarterback, and the quarterback has to drop back, make the correct reads, and anticipate throws and make tough throws. And they weren't getting that done. I don't know what plays you want to call, is my opinion. It, I mean, I don't know how you're going to give them the ball when the quarterbacks and the line can't execute the protection and they can't execute the throw. Um, I think he did the best he could. You know, I'm just sticking up for Scott. I like Scott. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you are ranked 20th or 22nd or 23rd three years in a row, then obviously it uh, will be a problem for you moving forward. Jay Gruden with us here on G&D. So, Jay, I know nobody's like anti-running the ball. I know you like it, and, and we like it too when it's effective. But I heard Ron Rivera at the press conference and Martin Mayhew today talking about they want a two-to-one ratio. Like, they want to play like it's you know, Nebraska in the early 90s. You know, they run the wishbone well, if they could. Well, then maybe Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera should call plays. Well, you know? I mean, seriously, it's it's embarrassing. You can't just hand the ball off two to one and say you're going to do that. The score dictates it. Your line play dictates it. Your uh, offensive, your tight ends. If you don't have blocking tight ends, it's hard. Uh, what are you going to run inside zone? You're going to run outside zone. You're going to toss plays. Uh, it's very difficult to maintain the two to one advantage if you're trailing or if you're on second and twelve or second and eleven uh, multiple times throughout the course of a game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a nice thing to say, but. It- I wonder if you ever encountered that in your career at any level where you as the play caller had a different philosophy than than like a guy from the Mesozoic era that was up at the top that was screaming at you to run the ball, and you're like, okay, it's second and 17, dude. You really want me to just hand it yeah, off for a yeah, smash? I had, it, I had it every day, every every Monday when I went to the office. If we didn't run the ball enough, I had a thing on my desk saying, hey, the leading uh, division, the Dallas Cowboys, are running the ball 2-1. to one. They're leading the league in rushing, and, and that's why they're leading the division. I said, well, I say, well they're, they're winning every game. They're in the lead, and they're not far. They're not behind, and they have a powerful offensive line and a great back. I mean, it's, it's easier said than done. Sometimes my passes and passing is an extension of the running game with the bubble screens and the quick game and the RPOs, and you lose some of those carries if you're going to call a game that way. And I thought that was the most successful way to run the or run the ball and call plays is to try to keep teams off balance and not try to power it between the tackles. If you don't have powerful offensive linemen, if your tackles aren't powerful and your tight ends aren't powerful, you're not going to be able to run the ball between the tackles consistently. But you were the head coach, so who's putting that on your desk? Uh, who do you think? Goose Allen? Yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It was on my Maybe desk. It was I don't Dan know who Snyder. put it on there. Was it Dan? I, throw it right, I, I, I glanced that up and threw it right in the garbage when I was done because, you know, it, it's you know what? obviously I'm change every my play guess, caller's Jay. dream. 
Every play caller's dream is to power run the football. It's easy for everybody. The linemen love it. The quarterback loves it. The backs love it. Your defense loves it. But it, you can't do it all the time consistently unless you have like a Derek and even they struggle. They can't yeah. uh, run the ball between the tackles all the time. They get stuck in second and 12 and second and 14 all the time, and they, they can't throw the ball to save their life. Uh, so if you rely on that too much and you can't throw the ball, when you have to throw the ball, you're going to struggle and you're going to be unsuccessful. You have to be balanced in what you do. You have to be multiple in what you do. You can't rely and just say, hey, I'm going to take the easy way out. Hey, let's just run the ball two to one. Well, what run do you want to run? What formation? What personnel grouping? Who's going to block the safety? Do we have receivers? They're going to come in there and dig out safeties. You're going to get an eight-man box. You're going to get a seven-man box and sub, and it's easier said than done. I'm going to change my guest to Dan Snyder. And the reason I'm going to do that is he once left vanilla ice cream on Mike Nolan's desk, probably in the exact same office you were sitting in. I don't know who left it. I just know it was on my desk every day. I didn't know who left it. Did you handwriting get, analysis. You didn't get any vanilla ice cream? It was typed up and color-coded and all that stuff. I had no vanilla ice cream for me ever. That's funny. Uh, Jay Gruden with us here on G&D. But, so my follow-up then is, a new offensive coordinator, and it seems like there might be an opening uh, here in Washington. We'll ask you about that in a second. But somebody coming in might have a different philosophy about how to move the football forward, but might have to play this smash-mouth game to get the gig. Like, How, how would that work with someone that, with a, a 2023 offensive philosophy versus those guys that want to do all the running that we're talking about? Well, I think every coach's philosophy on offense is to run the ball, unless you're uh, Eric Coriel or uh, Mike Martz, who was a spread run-and-gun type thing. You know what I mean? But even then, they had Marshall Falk, and he was pretty effective running the ball. Yeah. So uh, sometimes the pass can uh, open up the running game, too. Now, if you can throw the ball a little bit, safeties will be back there. That'll open up the run. So every coach's dream is to be balanced. I don't think anybody says, I'm just going to want to run the ball 45 times with those 15. I mean, I'd love to, but that's not realistic. Pro football nowadays, you have to be balanced. It's got to be damn near 50-50. And when you're a little bit more run than pass, and obviously you probably have a more successful day, but it doesn't always work out that way. Jay Gruden on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. So you at times had to fill vacancies at defensive coordinator over your years. And, and I know my, my thought on your coaching time was that on offense, you guys were super close. You had weapons. You had success. I think if you guys could have figured out a way to get that D.C. spot nailed down, things could have gone really differently. But I digress. When you're trying to hire a coordinator like Ron Rivera is now trying to do, but he's going into what looks like it could be a lame duck kind of season or maybe a last ride, right? It's an ownership change. It's a fourth year. If he doesn't win, he's in big trouble. How hard is it to get a legitimate candidate to take that offensive coordinating job in this situation right now? It'll be hard unless they do it in-house. I don't know who they have in-house. Maybe uh, Kenny Zampezi will take it. I don't know. Um, but you're right. It is difficult, and uh, especially if you're told what to do. But t- people are looking for opportunities, and you figure if you get an opportunity, you're going to be successful, then Ron will be successful, the team will be successful, and you're going to have a job. So that's the outlook you have to have as a play caller and as a coach. Uh, you can't ever go into a situation and say, hey, this is a lame duck year. We're going to get our ass kicked. You know, It's kind of like when I took the job at Jacksonville and – and I knew Coach Marone was in trouble, and the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to probably make a change, but I had confidence that we could maybe get it done and, and, and try to help save his job and, and go from there, but it didn't work out. But that's the frame of mind you have to have as a coach. Jay, do you want it? Oh, yeah, I'd love to coach again. Is uh, Who's the owner? Well, I have no idea. We don't know yet. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Something tells me Dan's not going to be hiring you, Jay. 
Yeah, something told me I wouldn't go back if he was. <laughs> <laughs> you might not have to worry about that for that much longer. Uh, okay, so let's let's look at the idea then of, of what they should do. When you're hiring a head coach, or when you're a head coach, rather, and you're hiring a coordinator, Ron Rivera has, other than Jack Del Rio, almost exclusively gone with guys he's worked with before, guys who have been on his staffs. What are the, the, the pluses and minuses to that? Because I think it has been to his detriment largely. You know, they, they hired a lot of guys that used to win seven games in Carolina a lot, and they're winning seven games here. But those are people you're familiar with that are in the foxhole with you that you can trust. So give me some pluses and minuses there rather than the, a well, wider net maybe. Well, that is the plus. The guys you know you can trust and guys that kind of have the same view on personnel that you have and, and same ideas uh, of what you want to do offensively and, and personnel-wise. That's the most important thing. And, and guys that aren't going to uh, go behind your back and do things that uh, you know you can't trust them. Uh, the negative is you don't have any outside ideas. You know, the part of the reason I hired Kevin O'Connell is because I wanted to play with totally different ideas on the West Coast and what Sean and I knew. And Kevin O'Connell had some new ideas, and, and that was a great ad for us. And same with uh, you know some other coaches on our staff. Uh, but it's always tough because a lot of coaches can come in here and draw up plays on a chalkboard. It's not until you see them in front of people, in front of players, how they coach, how they react to adversity, then you can really tell how good they are as a coach. You never can get that when you're hiring somebody new. You're not really sure. Because I went through the interview process with many defensive coordinators, and I promise you all of them could draw up a dang 4-3 defense, cover 2, cover 3, zone blitz, all that stuff. You know, you just had to try to go with your gut who's going to be the best fit for your team in front of in meetings and on the field and handle adversity when uh, things don't go well. Jay, to the, a bit, uh, some matters about the game here. Significant for, for Washington because Sam Howell played. And the initial reports we heard kind of throughout the week that were leaking out was that he wasn't ready. I don't know exactly what that means, but the staff had a change of heart and let him go out there. What did you make of what he did, what they did for him, and, and kind of predicting the future here? What can he be? Yeah, I was impressed with him. That's why you got to give Scott a lot of credit, man. This is a rookie quarterback. I know teams have played at rookie quarterbacks. I thought he did a great job with uh, Heineke. They had a four- or five-game winning streak, got themselves in a playoff contention with Heineke. They did good last year with Heineke, got him to the playoffs. Uh, so he did some good things with a very, very average to below average quarterback. Now, he's tough as hell. I get it. Uh, but I thought uh, Sam Howell played very well. He used his legs. Uh, he showed some accuracy on the beat balls. Um, and did some really good things. But, uh, you know, moving forward, I don't know how much you could put on that one game, although it was a big game. It was against the Dallas Cowboys who played everybody, and he played well. So moving forward, at least they have a guy in the hopper. Now you got to bring somebody else in here you feel good about that can compete, whether it's a draft choice or a veteran uh, that you know can start, and then you have Hal developing. If they want to be run first and defense dominant, would it be possibly sharp to, to not spend a lot of money at quarterback maybe bring in someone who can back him up or compete with him, but give him a chance to win over like a Brissett or a Dalton type guy who you once coached to an NFL lead 33 touchdowns one year and maybe have Hal get a shot at this thing. Not, not based on the one game, but based on the fact that he's cheap. He's a former yeah, beloved means, prospect. That means getting a couple really good offensive linemen on the interior, keeping Deron Payne and maybe getting another corner. And yeah, sure, maybe. You can still get to find a pretty good quarterback if that's your goal and that's your intent. You're going to get another blocking tight end, possibly, maybe a powerful tackle. Uh, but it's easier said than done. There are teams that are going to be very good against the run. And it's going to be very difficult to run against no matter who you have. So you're going to have to throw the ball eventually. So I still would err on the side of trying to upgrade the quarterback position. That should be goal number one for that organization moving forward. But remember, they got to get to two to one run pass ratio. Somehow you got to do that. 
Jay, yeah. good luck. <laughs> uh, what would your notes be for Sam Howell? Like, what would you give him this offseason to work on, to go find a quarterback guru, work with you, whatever it is, to try to get better, to be in a better spot here going forward uh, next year and beyond? What I really like about Sam and his game is when I saw him at college, I was really concerned about when the rush came. I thought he looked at the ground and looked to run and abort plays a little bit too quickly. But in the game against Dallas, it looked like he kept his eyes downfield, uh, looked for guys open, and then and then ran secondary and, and looked for throw the ball first. You know what I mean? Uh, I think he's got a really good future. Um, he's got to work on his accuracy without a doubt. He's got to continue to throw the ball, work on his anticipation, his accuracy, and then continue to study the game. Defenses, coverages, uh, how to attack coverages, cover three, three, three J, uh, two man, two uh, quarters, all that stuff, and understand where the check downs are, where everybody is on every given play, uh, how to handle protections, how to protect themselves, and always, always work on your fundamentals. Jay Gruden on Grant and Danny with us every single week. Normally Mondays at five o'clock. Pushed him back a day because of some of our phone issues yesterday. But uh, worked yeah, out. What kind of phones do you guys have, by the way? This is 2023. Yeah, amateur hour phones, we found out. Dude, you, you have no idea. <laughs> it, it, I'll, I'll tell you the story over a beer one day, yeah, Coach. In fact, I'll text you the story tonight. It's pretty hilarious. Uh, but par for the course as well. Um, you know, I, as before we let you go, I want, I want to ask you about Sean McVay in a second. But did you ever fire a coach and it went really badly? Like they were livid or you know, they, they threw Swung something? At you. Or, yeah, exactly. Did you, did you ever have a really bad firing? Uh, yeah, Joe Barry wasn't very good, and I understand that. Joe's a good football coach. He's proved it this year at Green Bay. Um, he's a friend of mine. Um, I just had we just had differences over uh, some personnel issues, but he's a good football coach. I didn't really like that. I actually, uh, you know, it's a funny story. It's not really a funny story, but I thought I had a couple guys uh, that were really going to significantly upgrade that position, and both of them fell through. So it was a bad decision. That's the problem in this process. Is is you think guys are going to be available, then you make a change, think you're going to get them, and all of a sudden they either go somewhere else and they're not available. So uh, that's the thing you got to be careful of as well. You better have somebody that you know is coming in here before you start firing people. Uh, otherwise, you get shut out in the guys you want, and then you'll be scrambling. Who would you think you had? It doesn't matter. It's just, it just just doesn't matter. Give me the initials. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I got Minuski and Tom Sula. I'm happy with those guys. No, Don't you're not. Wrong on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trust me, you're not. Uh, but that's fine. Greg, Greg Minuski, I remember that. Well, never mind. It, it, we don't need to go there. He did leave Washington to go become a linebackers coach at Kentucky, I think. So that's where yeah, he I think went. He's, a, he's at Minnesota. He's a good football coach. I, I was glad to have him and Tom Sula. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, you know, the Joe Barry thing kind of. You know, I probably screwed that one up. He's a good coach. We just maybe disagreed on some personnel decisions in the draft. A couple guys that he graded high and I didn't like and things of that nature. But uh, overall, um, that's the one that I regret, and that was probably the toughest one. Was he blindsided? Is that Because I, I imagine that would be the worst. If I know it might be coming, I'm probably going to be a pro about it. But if I just am shocked, I'm, I'm thinking you're sitting me down to go over the plans for this week and you say goodbye, that's when I'm probably reacting pretty badly. Yeah, it was probably blindsided, as most people are when they get fired. But, uh, you know, I thought it was for the good of the team. And, and uh, sometimes you have to make decisions. You have to fire friends of yours. I had to fire Jim Hazlitt, who's a great friend of mine, after the first year. I love Jim Hazlitt. He hired me in the UFL, and um, that was a tough call as well. I just want to go to a different direction in how we were playing defense and fronts and, and, and picking players. Jay, what's Sean McVay going to do? You know what? I have no idea. He's going to take some time, and, and he just got recently married, and uh, – Sean's a grinder, and uh, this thing can take its toll, whether you're a young coach or an old coach. It doesn't matter. It's, it takes its toll on you uh, from a stress uh, point of view. And uh, if he gets a heck of an offer from Amazon or NFL Network or whoever it might be, he's going to have to look at it. But 
you know, I know he's going to be successful in whatever he chooses to do, and uh, he's great at both. I'm sure he'll be great at both. Jay, fantastic as always. You are uh, always a lot of fun to have on the show, and the insight entertainment is always terrific, man. We appreciate you. And sorry we pushed it back a day, but we're going to figure this phone thing out. Uh, maybe for we'll the be new year. We'll making calls in no time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe next year I can work full time with you. I'll be looking for work. <laughs> and we're looking forward to it. I got a seat right next to me. You'd look good in right now. All right. I Buffalo think, uh, Wild Wings. Here we come, baby. Jay and Grant and Danny has, has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? And that's a little flow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll do uh, we'll, our game ball. We do game balls and gassers. Really creative segment where every week we give a game ball to the player with the best game. Gasser to the player with the worst game. We'll call them Samajes and Gassers, man. Game, yeah, that's great. That sounds good. <laughs> All right, fellas, appreciate you guys. See, See you, yeah, there's Jay Gruden on Grant and Danny. Uh, Darius, I want a Samaje, please. Samaje. Samaje. <laughs> Who would the Gasser be? A guy that he didn't like. Oh, There's man. gotta be somebody. I was racking my brain for it while you were talking. I couldn't think of it. Who did Jay not like? Because we could do Samajes, man. Or like Rob Kelly's, man. Doxums. Samajes and Doxons. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> I think that's got some potential. Uh, good insight from him on something he's been through, right? Yeah. Having to relieve a coach of his duties. Logan Paulson, I don't think anybody studies this team's offensive film more than Logan does, and there's no one I trust more on the film. And from an offensive standpoint, he went to the University of Shanahan and McVay. Uh, we're going to get him on next to talk about what's going on with Scott Turner. He's been fired by the commanders. Uh, he will join us in just a moment to give us some thoughts on where they should go, what they should be looking for in their next play caller here on Grant and Danny on the fan. Well, then maybe Martin Mayhew and Ron Revere should call plays. I mean, seriously, it's it's embarrassing. You can't just hand the ball off two to one and say you're going to do that. The score dictates it. Your line play dictates it. Your uh, offensive, your tight ends. If you don't have blocking tight ends, it's hard. Uh, what are you going to run inside zone? Are you going to run outside zone? You're going to toss plays. Uh, it's very difficult to maintain the two to one advantage if you're trailing or if you're on second and twelve or second and eleven uh, multiple times throughout the course of a game. That was Jay Gruden just moments ago on Grant and Danny. The news of the day, Scott Turner has been fired as offensive coordinator of the Commanders. And I mean this. I don't think anybody studies the film with the knowledge watching the film that Logan Paulson does in this town outside of people in that building who are on the staff. So his expertise, second to none on this. Let's get him on. Logan, they've made the move. Scott Turner has been fired. He is out. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, first and foremost, like, you know, I've been cut from teams. I've been fired before, and I know how hard that is. So, you know, my thoughts are with Scott and his family because I know he's about to go through a tough transition. And, um, you know, I just want people to remember that, like, dude's a human being. And I know, like, his tenure here wasn't the most prolific or productive of all time, but, like, uh, he's going through something. So, you know, just keep that in mind when we're talking about this analysis. But, you know, from a football side of things, I think um, – you know, I think this was the writing was on the wall. I think um, one of the things that characterized his tenure here, especially this last year, was, you know, not really being able to establish a true offensive identity. I think he had some creative ideas and some things that were definitely to be commended, but he just lacked this kind of this vision, you know. And when I'm around good offensive minds and good coordinators, they have this dogmatic perspective 
on what type of offense they want to be and how best to get to that that perspective. And you know, I might not necessarily agree with the perspective that they hold, but they 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 have something that they have a defensible position, if that makes sense. And that's something that um, I think Scott um, didn't have, you know, for for a big chunk of his time here. So what was your biggest gripe in terms of the way games would play out? Like fans always want to yell about the number of rush attempts. To me, it's not always that simple. Like I, I don't necessarily need a run called on on you know on second and sixteen. You know what I mean? Like what was your biggest yeah. thing where you'd go? I wish they did more of this, less of that. Just just kind of walk me through that. Yeah. So for me, I think if I was going to give Scott feedback, it would be one of the things is like there were times over the course of the season where I thought he did this very well where you call a run out of a formation, and then what I call you stack a play on top of it. You're calling that play to get information, to get beta about the next play that you're going to call, about the next uh, you know presentation you're going to give the defense, and you just continue to stack plays. And I felt like there wasn't always a plan, like you're calling a play because you like this play, but it wasn't leading to anything. So, like, for example – in the last game of the year uh, or against Cleveland, they were like 85% rushing attempts out of 13 personnel, which is not uncommon. But if you look at Cleveland, like they understand that. They understand you want to run the football out of that personnel. They are attacking downhill to stop the run. You can take advantage of that. What is, what is your methodology to insulate those runs, protect those runs, and then find a way to take advantage of the defense's perception of what you're doing? And if you can do that, I think the New York Giants do a great job of that. You know, they don't have an explosive offense but they're always subverting expectations. And so for me, it's not about run frequency, pass frequency. It's just that, and it kind of goes back to the vision thing. There's, there was no, um, no plan, right? I'm calling this, this run out of this personnel grouping, not to set up a play action pass, not to get to look, look at a defense for the, for the quick game, not to see what the defensive response is. And Scott might tell you different. I haven't spoken to Scott about this, but, um, but I didn't feel like there was anything coming out of it. It was just like, I like this play, let's call it as opposed to planning something out and getting a vision of, of the direction that this offense should be going. Logan, I think after three years with the production or lack thereof, this is an outcome that is beyond reasonable, okay? 28th and yeah. 24th this year in yards and scoring, 21-24 last year, 31st and 26th the year before that. So that's what happens in this league. It's about results, as you said, and, and yep. they weren't there. That said, I do wonder... How many offensive coordinators would thrive with this quarterback situation over the last three years? And, like, to me, that's not on Scott, per se. I mean, the one guy you could say that was his guy that he brought in here was Heineke, who, while I think he's extremely limited in a a backup, has saved their season twice. But did he say go get Wentz? I mean, did he decide not to draft Justin Herbert? Did he say go get Ryan Fitzpatrick? What's your thought on... Whether I'm oversimplifying it to say, if you have a terrible quarterback room, you can't do a good job as a coordinator. Is that too much, too far? No, I think that's a fantastic point. I'm really glad that you brought that up because it is it is a variable. It is a factor in this, right? They've kind of uh, the quarterback position has been a kind of a mess the last three years. You know, there's eight people that have played the position or whatever the statistic is, and that that is significant, right? Um, but I, I think, and this is maybe going to sound harsh, this is how I was as a player, and this is what was my perspective of the good coaches that I played with, is, you know, what are you doing um, to put guys in advantageous spots, given the people that are available to you, right? 
So, you know, I look at Kyle Shanahan as an example. And is he putting, putting Brock Purdy in bad spots? As much as he can, he's not doing that, right? And he's speaking to that skill set. I think, Scott, there were elements of, of that to Scott. And there, we, I, quite frankly, we saw brilliant flashes of Scott Turner at moments in this season. I just think it wasn't as consistent as it could have been. And so you saw kind of what he could have done with the quarterback talent that was here, but he just didn't always do that. He was, again, the consistency was something that was lacking. But I do think you bring up a very valid point, like how much of this is Scott's fault, right? Is it his fault the offensive line was, uh, you know, substandard this year? Probably not. The quarterback play substandard? Probably not. Um, could he have done some things to elevate this group? That's also true. So it is, it is multifactorial, and I'm really glad you brought attention to that. Um, but I do think there a change needed to be made, and unfortunately, when you helm the offense, like you are carrying, you carry a lot of that responsibility regardless of the personnel situation, and um, and I think we saw the result of that today. Logan Paulson with us here on GND. Logan, throughout your extensive career and a number of stops, did you ever see anything like this or hear anything like this or part of a locker room in this way? Where Sam Fortier of the Post did a really good story. Uh, where he got nine different players. Obviously, they can't you know go on record with their names, but basically saying that they weren't in love with the play calling. A person with knowledge of the play calling was critical of Scott Turner. A lot of people were sort of pointing the finger at him. Were you ever in a place where that was kind of in, going on in the locker room where you're like, this bleeping guy is killing us, right? And it was it was more than just the normal grousing about not getting enough touches. It rose to that kind of a level? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I've been a couple places like that. Absolutely. Anytime, that's the thing about offensive football players, um, Danny, is that like anytime it doesn't go well, they're going to they're gonna be very forward and very forthcoming with their opinion. And so in some ways, I think that, you know, while Sam's article, I love the article. I thought it was very well written. I thought it pointed out multi, multiple things. I think those player opinions and those player perspectives, while extremely relevant, were also probably correlated to the the current winning situation mm-hmm. for the team, right? Things weren't going well. People get a little bit loud, right? They kind of tell you what they think. And I, I do think that some of those criticisms were probably there while they were winning. But as you know, winning cures all else. So I think that, that that's part of why players were for, so forthcoming. But I do think the players probably understand and probably know some information that we aren't necessarily privy to on a daily basis, right? And I do think you see some of the, the reasons why they're frustrated, right? You know, um, I, if I'm Brian Robinson, I'm really irritated that I'm not getting the ball in these short, short yardage situations. I'm the be, I'm the team's best short yardage runner. Now, is that Scott's decision? Is that Jordan's decision, the running back coach? I don't know, but that seems like a confounding thing when you have a person who's very good at something and you take them out of the game in those situations, right? And so if I'm a player, if I'm Brian Robinson, I'm going to be very vocal about my frustration. Same thing with Logan Thomas, right? I think he's in this offense. He's, he's shown he can be very productive, very productive in the red zone and Levy's criticism towards Scott for not utilizing him in that way. I understand that feedback he's giving Scott. I understand that frustration. But do players always look at things from a global offensive perspective? No. And I think it's important for people to be aware of that when players offer their, their opinions about OCs. Because I've been, I've been a part of teams where people have been criti- criti- like critical of the smartest football minds that I've ever met. And, it's just, and, and their criticisms are somewhat shallow because they don't understand how how the, the rest of the offense is doing. It's very focused on their own perspective. So I think while I think some of those perspectives and some of those opinions are, are valid and they've probably been simmering throughout the year, I think the time of year where they come out is also something that needs to be acknowledged. Logan, what kind of coordinator do you think Rivera should be looking for for this offense, especially right now with Sam Howell seemingly being in the conversation moving forward as a young quarterback? 
Yeah, I think you want to find a guy that aligns with what you think this offense and what this team and this personnel is best suited for. I think that was another thing that was a little bit confounding is at times I felt Ron and Scott, you know, Ron would say something in the media and then on Sunday, Scott would do something different. I felt like there was a little bit of a difference of opinion. And I feel like if you if you want, if you have a vision for an offense as the president, the GM, the head coach, the team, you need to get someone who who embraces that same position because you are making personnel decisions based on those decisions. Right. And I think a big thing with regards to Sam Howell is what this team does with regards to the offensive line this offseason. Can they get another big piece? Can Chris Paul develop? Can they find a new center? They're going to need to do some patchwork there because I do think that the skill positions are in a place that they can support a young, talented quarterback like Sam Howell if the offensive line can kind of go from, you know, a bottom half of the uh, bottom half of the league position into like that top ten, top eight kind of range. And so if they can do that, I think they can do a lot of things offensively. You know, that Scott could have done too if that group can elevate. So I think that's something to keep an eye on this offseason and and. and really affects the decision of the OC because quite frankly this is a very appealing job if you can upgrade that office upgrade that offensive line Logan awesome as always buddy really appreciate the time today thanks guys appreciate you, See you buddy appreciate you there's Logan Paulson had to get his quick insight on that I, I wanted to double click we're out of time on the idea of the, the gig being appealing I get that the three wide receivers make it appealing those are some weapons but yeah. other than that I'm kind of curious about that but that's something I'll I'll check in with Logan on and, and maybe Report back to you guys on. Uh, D'Angelo Hall is going to join us in 20 minutes to react to this breaking news of Scott Turner being fired. Uh, He's got thoughts on the dismissal of the offensive coordinator. But we do have a chance for you guys to react for the first time next. We'll sneak in some calls. 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Are you surprised Rivera did this so quickly? Was this the right decision? Scott Turner out after three years as the OC in D.C. You know, a lot of people are suggesting different offensive coordinator names already. I've seen Cliff Kingsbury uh, with fans floating around. If they want to run the ball a ton, like they want to be this power run team, he ain't it. Now, I'm all in on Cliff Kingsbury as an offensive coordinator. I'm excited about that. I don't get the sense Ron Rivera would be particularly excited. Logan Paulson just told us at times he felt like Rivera and Turner weren't on the same page, and he thinks he should hire someone who sees offense the same way as him. What about Frank Reich? I think that could be interesting. Name intrigues me. I'll tell you that much. I mean, listen, guys that have good track records of of getting a lot out of quarterbacks and whether it's rehabilitating them or or getting something out of them, that's, that's the kind of thing I want. Frank Reich is interviewing for head coaching jobs, so the idea that he would come here as an OC is probably a little bit of a stretch, but... If they could pull something off like that where, from a resume standpoint, they upgrade, that'd be a big deal. If you missed Jay Gruden or Logan Paulson this hour reacting to the news that Scott Turner's been fired as the offensive coordinator of the Commanders, uh, make sure you podcast or grab that audio at thefandc.com. We got uh, D'Angelo Hull, very opinionated on this, has thoughts, hit me up, said he wanted to come on. We got him joining us in about 10 minutes right here on G&D. Let's go to Walter in D.C. Walter, what do you make of the news of the day, Scott Turner? Fired after three years. Uh, I'm happy for it, man, and I'm, I'm on the side of Logan Paulson, and I'll take a, your, your um, way of looking at it, Grant, and, but look at the opposite perspective. 
I'll give you Kirk Cousins, his last year with Sean McVay, then Kirk Cousins the following year without Sean McVay. He looked awful. Alex Smith with the Chiefs, then Alex Smith the very next year here with us. An offensive coordinator can hurt an average quarterback. Now, elite quarterbacks are going to be elite, but everybody else, the offensive coordinator can make or break what they do on the field. Appreciate you, dude. There's something to that. I mean, listen, you know, there's always tons of complicating factors. I think that's what – I don't want to put words in your mouth, GP, but that's what we're saying. I am perfectly fine with moving on from Scott Turner. I'm also – I want acknowledged there, were, there weren't that many plays on the sheet that you could call that were going to be excellent plays with this quarterback, the way the offensive line was struggling at times, and kind of the, the, the predicament that they found themselves in because of that. His last year with McVay, Cousins had 25 touchdowns, 12 picks, and 4,900 yards. The next year, he had 27, 13, and 4,000. I mean, they threw less and had fewer yards. but I, It was a different roster, yeah. I don't know that I would say he was a whole lot worse. But I get it. I mean, when you're changing coordinators and you're changing play callers, that, that, that can happen too. Let's go to Jamal in Northeast. What's up, Jamal? Hey, what's going on, guys? Come in. Oh man, I um I think they're gonna go the safe route. Um first of all I'm 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 definitely think that Scott deserves to lose his job. Um when you are consistently twenty second throughout your tenure, I mean the numbers speak for itself. So but um I definitely think they're gonna go the safe route and do the Mike Schuler thing. However, I, one of you all brought up Cliff Kingsbury. I love that. That's the route I think they should go. Um he that that air raid offense he's running similar to what um, Howell ran in college. And let's just be real. If you're a Commanders fan, you should want Howell to be the guy. He's cheap. We need offensive line. Like, offensive line work should be priority and re-signing De'Ron Payne. To me, I feel like those two are the most important things this offseason. Jamal, I agree with every Thanks, single word you just said in that call. You and I don't see it like Rivera sees it, I don't think. When you're talking about air raid and Sam House college offense... <laughs> They want to do what they did on Sunday. Martin Mayhew said as much in the press conference. He said, we like the two-to-one run-pass ratio from this week. That's what we want to be. And if you can do that, great, do it. If you can win by 20 and be two-to-one, you should. Every team should do that. It just doesn't work out that way. But Kingsbury and the way he views offense is a lot more McVay, is a lot more Jay Gruden, is a lot more modern uh, Mike McDaniel yeah. than it is Ron Rivera. Well, but listen, for a candidate like that wants to do what? Wants to get back in the head coaching carousel, not be bumped down to coordinator forever. You don't do that by having a conflicting view on a short-term situation right. where you're not going to put up great offensive stats. You, no one's going to be, oh, they ran the ball really well and, were the, and had really good time in possession while scoring the 22nd most points in the league. Let's yeah. hire that guy to be my head coach. That's not the path. I'd love to say it's as simple as these numbers are bad. It's probably not. There is context that's important with quarterback position, position, them guessing wrong from a personnel department standpoint on guard, them losing multiple centers. But the bottom line is in a production league over three years, you get a decent sample, right? Injuries here and there. Like that stuff matters less over a longer sample, and the results have been bad. They were 31st in goal to go. They were 25th on third down sack rate, 27th in interceptions, 22nd in uh, passing the football, 28th in running the football, 28th in yards per play, 20th in yards per game, 24th in scoring. The only thing they did particularly well this year was time of possession. They held the ball longer than everybody else. That was a blessing and a curse because they couldn't score points. They couldn't make chunk yardage plays. Grant and Danny on the fan. D'Angelo Hall stops by next. Breaking news today. Scott Turner fired 
after three years as the OC of the Commanders. Uh, he had multiple organizations, I guess, or names in this organization. He was a football team coordinator as well. Mm. He was here long enough to remember them as the football team. The football team. team. You're listening to the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.